Hi, I'm Sapan Gai, Chief Commercial Officer of Sovereign Metals. Uh, Sovereign Metals is developing the Kasia Rutile project in Malawi, which is the world's largest uh, rutile deposit, the largest ever discovered. Um, and we are developing that for the titanium dioxide and titanium industries um, alongside the rutile. We also have a graphite byproduct, graphite being quite important for the electric vehicles industry as we as we move forwards with the green revolution. Uh, Sapan, good to have you back on, man. Uh, good to have you back on today. Now, you've just come back from uh, Malawi, um, doing a little site visit. I want to, want to get an update from you as to what you were doing out there, um, for sure. But uh, I couldn't help notice uh, a tweet the other day. You got a mention at the UN from uh, the president, Chakwera. Um, that must have been uh, a bit of a surprise. Yeah, no, that was very nice. Look, the... Uh, um, the president was giving his address at the uh, General Assembly in, uh, at the UN in New York. Um, and uh, he, he was obviously explaining the, uh, the importance of private investors coming into Malawi in the agricultural space. And he also mentioned the mining space. And within that, he said, you know, Malawi is now host to the largest rutile deposit ever discovered, which is, of course, our Kasia project. So that was that was nice to have a little plug at the UN <laughs> General Assembly. Um, not too bad. Yeah, not too no, bad. yeah, no, not a bad stage to be uh, talked about on. Uh, but yeah, look, I've uh, I, I came back from Malawi um, just last week. Um, we've been out there uh, with consultants who are looking at everything from you know hydrogeology all the way through to uh, through to some of the, the more core community initiatives that we're doing. Uh, but essentially, it's all part of, part, of, part and parcel of the work that's going into feeding into the PFS. Um, also, it was a, a, a good opportunity for us to take a breather and reassess where we are as a as a company. Um, we have grown quite significantly uh, over the past two to three years uh, from a graphite exploration and development company into having the world's largest rutile deposit, or as I like to say, we tripped over the world's largest rutile deposit, which in the, there's no doubt will be just hugely disruptive to the titanium industry and the titanium dioxide in- industry. So, um, you know, we had to take a step back, make sure that we're, 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 we're no longer that small exploration company, but we are, we are and we are seen to be this, uh, this developer. Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Um, I kind of want to dig into that a, a, a little bit more, but it might, might be worth it. Just let's just step back and remind people what it is. Just in terms of headlines for people new to Rutile, new to Graphite, and new to Malawi, because you know you've got you say you've tripped over the Rutile component, um, but this is shallow, very shallow, uh, kind of like blanket. Uh, deposit that you're looking at and you might you do hydro mining so give, give us the kind of like the two-minute version of what, what your company um, is looking to do yeah sure so yeah you're right Casia from a geological perspective is like a blanket over a an extensive uh, uh, area um, covering about 180 square kilometers so it's uh, so it's pretty huge um, and within that uh, within that area there are high grade mineralization areas of rutile um, sitting anywhere uh, uh, between three and five meters below surface. 
literally if you if you if you walk on the ground and you use your boot to scrape off the the soil you're looking at the mineralized uh you're, you're looking at the mineralized uh, uh material um you mentioned uh, hydro so yes what we're looking at is very simple uh mining of that uh which is called hydro mining essentially what that is is a high powered jet targeting um the, the, the material, the material then creates a slurry with the water, which then gets pumped to a, um, to a plant. In the plant, the rutile and the graphite set are, are separated and everything else is, is, is essentially put to the side, I guess, is the easiest way to put it. But then we uh, put, put, put the, uh, the, the, the heavy minerals concentrate, which includes the, the rutile, through a mineral separation plant, which is essentially a big magnet, uh, rutile is non-magnetic, so that falls out uh, and isn't captured by the magnet. And essentially, uh, that's our uh, that's our end product on one end, and we've got the graphite on the other end. So, you know, rutile today's price is two and a half thousand dollars a ton. Um, a basket price on graphite anywhere around a thousand dollars a ton. So, uh, having the largest rutile deposit and uh, one of the largest graphite deposits built within that is uh, is, is not a bad gig. It's, it's not a bad gig. It's, it's, it's super impressive margins as well. But um, it, so I want to discuss the sort of implications of that. The hydro mining means that the actual mining costs are negligible in this. It's all about the sort of infrastructure, the, 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 the plants, and you know, for both the retail and the graphite. And so that's really around the engineering um, on the surface, as it were, um, that you're, you're, you're dealing with going forward. So um, can you tell us it's where, where you're at with that? Because I guess the big concern for investors right now is clearly the economy. It's clearly then going to be on you know, return on capital invested by you guys. And I want to sort of understand right now your decision making around how you allocate your cash um, or how you best see the allocation of cash in a market like this. Yeah, so look, we uh, uh, we put out an expanded scoping study uh, back in June to give some kind of headline figures around uh, around what you were talking about. And you're right, the capex uh, the, in terms of operating costs, we are at the bottom end when it comes to graphite because essentially the graphite is a co-product; it falls out, and either we store it or we sell it. So you know, it makes it it, it makes complete sense that we sell it um, on the brutal. Um, because we're using hydro mining, because the infrastructure is already there in terms of railroad, port, etc., uh, is already there. So we're not spending any money on that. Um, really, it's that kind of non-processing infrastructure. So we are looking at having, uh, you know, a solar farm next to us, so we can bring down some of the CO two uh, emissions of just using diesel. A generated power. Um, it is just uh, connecting ourselves to the uh, to the local hydro grid. Um, and yes, as you said, you know, hydro mining isn't isn't a very costly uh, capex number either. So uh, so yeah, we're looking at around three hundred thirty million dollars of capex for an MPV of around one point six billion. Um, and look, this project you can look at it on an MPV, but the size of it means that it's just multi-generational. So if you start looking at it as a, a production company rather than a mining company and you look at your EBITDA numbers, we're talking about EBITDA numbers around, you know, well, well, well north of 300 million US dollars a year um, off the back of uh, a $300 million initial outlay. 
Right. Which brings me neatly on to the question of you know how you value companies now. I, I guess the running joke within in, uh, these types of interviews that CEOs come on and tell me, no matter what the economic conditions are out in the world, they're undervalued, right? You kind of hit upon um, something, you're, you're, you're an ex-markets guy, I'm, I'm, me, me too, we don't look out further than kind of t- 10 years. You've got a multi-generational, multi-decade um, project in, in front of you. Um, lay out the case for me, in a little bit more detail than you've just done, how one could value a company like this. It, yeah, look, the, the, the normal thing with a gold company with about 10 years of life is obviously to look at the MPV and how that is versus the current market cap. With a project this size and how, how important it, it is within the entire kind of titanium world, um, an easier way to look at it is just in terms of EBITDA numbers, right? And, and, and kind of cash flow that's falling out of it. And uh, as I said, you know, you're talking about a 330 US million dollar uh, EBITDA per annum. Uh, and that's over, according to our scoping study, that's over 25 years. But our scoping study only accounts for about 30% of the resource. So hence why if you look at it on a per, a per year basis, once this thing's producing, 330 odd million dollars versus, you know, today's market cap of about 100 million dollars. Um, so we're about a third of annual EBITDA just on the face of it. Now, given that in a normal environment, uh, you know, we'd expect anything to trade six to eight times EBITDA. Um, you know, what are we? Four percent. Our market cap is four percent of our potential value out there, which. Uh, so, you know, is everyone saying that uh, the macro environment, uh, the price environment, uh, and 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 all the risks associated with mining mean that you take you know you knock off potentially ninety six percent of the value of this project, right? And then 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 let's let's stretch that a little bit further. Okay, the other thing that happens when look, I'm gonna make, we're gonna make a sort of quantum leap here from you know you're going through the phases in terms of the economic studies and the engineering um, at the, at the moment um, you. You know, we talked in the past about you know how this thing gets into production and what it can mean in the in the global economic uh, market for for retail and, and and graphite. But let's do that quantum leap through. This thing gets up and running and is running at or, or near where you think it can in terms of annual production and cash flows. How do I view that company in terms of what it does with its cash flows? Because big mining companies tend to plough it back in the ground. Right, because they go search for the next thing. You're, you've already got the scale. It's the world's largest, right? It's the world's largest. World's largest anything is usually a good thing. So, how do or how could investors view you and how what you're going to do with this cash? Look, it's uh, for the first three years. It's very simple. If we go via our scoping study, those first three years of cash flow get ploughed back in uh, to the project to go from a 12 million ton per annum. Um, uh, operation to a 24 million ton per annum operation. So, so we double everything on the ground, right? You double the size of your plant, you double the amount that you're, you are mining, processing, and essentially the double, you double the amount that you're producing, which the market can very easily take even in today's, today's context, um, uh, today's market uh, context. So, so then the question arises, well, what do we do once everything is up and running and we're in steady state with those cash flows? And yes, obviously, like any other mining company, you'd use part of it for uh, 
for 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 exploring exploration and proving up the resource so you know that you know in 40 50 years time you you're there but i mean look if it was a standalone project you you'd start uh you'd start looking at uh dividend policies and how uh, shareholders shareholders basically get a return on on their cash invested right okay that, that's where i wanted you to go because I, I i think people want to know you know how to view this company as an investment could this be a a dividend stock for 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 them um and let's so say let, let's look at some of the other reasons to kind of maybe discount that story so that's where it could be and those numbers are where it should be given what's happening in the current um market at the moment with you know disruption to supply chains we've got sanctions associated with 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 russia We've got um, huge kind of nervousness about what economies are going to be doing after all of that printing of money, which seemed quite good at the time. Um, what does that do for retail market, for titanium market, uh, for graphite markets, as far as you're concerned? And you know, are you taking any measures to protect yourself, to, to you make yourself defensible there, or is your expectation something else? Look, the, the first point I'd make is we, in all of our, um, you know, economic studies, all of our scoping studies, etc., we've always been very conservative on the pricing. Uh, Rutile has had quite a nice run over the last uh, two, three years, um, trading at anywhere between kind of two and a half thousand dollars per ton to, you know, anecdotally, we're hearing four thousand dollars a ton for uh, for very premium grade Rutile. What do we use in our own models? We're using something like $1,300 a ton. So way off there. And the same thing goes for the graphite. You have, um, you know, we have uh, access to where graphite basket prices could be given the increase in use of electric vehicles, et cetera, et cetera, in the future. And, you know, they're anything up to kind of four or $5,000 a ton. We're using one thousand dollars a ton in our in our model. So again, we're being very conservative on that front. So that so we're not exactly massively worried about um, the, the the current environment, the effect, and any kind of squeeze that that could give both on the costing cost side and the price side of our of our financials. Um, in terms of uh, the current outlook on Rutile and and, and the titanium world. Look, 50% of uh, aerospace-grade titanium came out of Russia. And now, look, if that doesn't come back online and people in the West aren't buying it, they're going to have to look elsewhere to buy it. And currently, they're going to uh, they're going to Japan to buy that. And there's uh, two big um, aerospace-grade titanium producers out of Japan. Um, it wouldn't have uh, passed, uh, you know, you would have noticed that we've got an MOU with Mitsui, who are one of... Uh, Japan's uh, large conglomerates and uh, one of the world's largest traders, um, and obviously they trade Rutile into Asia. So we've uh, we, we, we've signed a uh, non-binding MOU with those guys at this stage, um, and 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 look on the on the Western front. If you want to speak about that, you've got some of the pigment producers who are saying, "Look, we're going to pare back our guidance in terms of our own financials uh, over over the coming months." But the, the the guidance in terms of the years and expectations and forecasts over over years of and, and by the time we're in production, pretty much are, are pretty stable um, regardless of the current uh, the current climate. And look, I, I do want to add just one extra thing, which is some of the pigment producers have lowered their guidance, 
And they've lowered their guidance mainly due to energy prices in and around Europe and Asia, which we're all very aware of what's happening there. Now, the, the nice thing about Rutile is that it's one of these direct-use products, so it doesn't have all that energy-intensive upgrading requirement that you know some of the ilmenite-based products will, will do will and do need. So, you know, shifting to Rutile is a solution in a uh, in a high energy price environment. So, give me give me that again. Tell me, break that down. Why? So, look, Rutile's ninety-five percent. TiO2, that gets directly used by the pigment producers to produce pigment. Ilmenite, which there's a lot more of and is obviously the more abundant material and therefore the easier to get a hold of, um, at least prior to the discovery of Casia, is anywhere between kind of 40 to 60% TiO2. So it needs to be smelted and all the rest of it or put in a put in a kiln and roasted in order to get around 85 to 88% TiO2, which is still nowhere near the kind of 96% that we're we're throwing out uh, from Casia. So, you know, we, we skip that entire smelting ro- uh, and roasting process um, that that you know pigment producers are having to, to to buy out or use in order to get their uh, their supply. Got it. Okay. Just wanted to be clear about that. Um, let's go back to the realities of today, right? So cash is king uh, in markets like this, gives you optionality. Where are you with your cash? You're in the middle of a, a PFS process. You, you've, you flew out recently to, you know, work with some, some um, show some consultants around, you know, you're, you're going through a phase where you're going to, well, I, I guess that the, the money demands aren't huge, but have you got enough to kind of see you through to the end of the PFS? What do you do about raising capital and how, do you, how would you view raising capital in a market like this? Yeah, so look, we have, um, we raised, uh, the last raise we did, um, we raised around uh, $15 million and that was back in June just before the markets did what they did. So we, you know, I think uh, a few weeks later, the, the entire market was red. So, um, you know, pat on the back for us in terms of raising money when uh, when, when the markets were good. Um, and the bulk of that is being used through the PFS. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll probably come out the other end of the PFS, where, which is due in Q2 next year with maybe um, a, a little bit of uh, buffer cash, but, uh, but you know, we're not stopping anything. We're not taking a back seat. We're not slowing down. This this thing is just just speaks for itself and shouldn't. You know, we can't sit on what is essentially such a transformative uh, project. So we're pushing ahead with the PFS. That'll give us and that'll give the market hopefully and give our investors a lot more confidence around the potential of our uh, of our project. Right. And well, what's happening at the moment? It's interesting, actually, because what's happening at the moment is that companies that are putting out studies at the moment, there's a kind of you know, shrug of the shoulders, really. It's kind of like, so what? We're super nervous about the economy. We're more nervous about the economy than your amazing numbers that you're putting out. And you know, some companies choose to hunker down and say, well, if you're not impressed by that, and you should be, uh, we're going to kind of stop until the market works out how it feels about anything. Or... Some companies go, well, actually, I am going to raise capital now, and it may feel expensive right now, but in terms of the value that it will release when the market comes back, this will seem like cheap money. So 
where's your head at in terms of how you manage that that those choppy waters? Yeah, look, we, we, we as with any public company, you know, we're essentially a, a function of uh, of what's going on with the macroeconomics, and therefore what's going on with our share price. And there's 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 as I said, there's no real reason, rhyme or reason for us to be slowing down internally. So we're going to continue um, uh, on the current path. In fact, as you, you know, while I was in Malawi, as you mentioned, uh, we were taking hydrogeologists and uh, and the likes around the project. Um, we were continuing with a lot of our community initiatives and not giving up in any, on any of those, just because the the macro environment currently and you know. Let's, let, let's be honest, the political environment right now is a bit unstable. But we're all very sure, you know, we, we were all very sure things were going to be great 12 months ago, right? So who knows where we're going to be in another 12 months. If anyone does, I'm happy to pay them for extra advice, right? <laughs> but, 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 but for now, I think we're, uh, look, we're not, we're, not, we're not chucking money out of the door, but we're not being ultra conservative either. Um, we're being prudent enough Um but making sure that we stay on track and and deliver as we as we uh you know promised our investors that we would deliver into uh into next year okay and and what are you what are you getting back in terms of, in terms of information from partners or you know stakeholders not not just investors but people say Mitsui for instance you know they big organization um things in many pies and what, what are you hearing from them what what was What's the expectation of you? And it's only an MOU, but you must be talking to them. Yeah, look, the, the reality is, and we were having discussions with a, uh, with a uh, potential off-taker only this week, um, the, everything from, from anyone, any, any of the third parties further downstream is don't stop, right? We, <laughs> we, we don't see any reason for this to stop. We all need Rutal. Rutal is very important. I mean, look, even, even if you believe that the macroeconomics may depress the titanium industry or the titanium dioxide industry. That doesn't stop the fact that all the rutile deposits in the world right now are either depleting or lower grade or need more cash to go into, into sustaining where they are. And so, you know, you're looking at around a 60% decrease in rutile supply from its peak in 2017 to the point where, where we turn on Casia. So, you know, even if we came into market at a, at full blown production, we're only we're we're only making up about thirty percent of that sixty percent drop. So um, there's 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 really no reason um, the, 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 from from third parties. The understanding is there's no reason for us to stop discussing offtakes or, or or put the brakes on or anything like that. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, like Stefan, I appreciate you coming on today, and you know, I just wanted, to, you know, see how excited you were from the site visit because the site visits are, you know, quite revealing, in, in the sense that your consultants looking at this thing go, well, this is going to be a tough one, or, or this is actually better than I thought, so, you know, and it'll be interesting to sort of see um, what comes out of the company in the next few weeks and months, and um, and I'll just say also thanks for the images that you've supplied that we've kind of sprinkled throughout this. Uh, converse, conversation because you're kind of, you're getting down to the you know the hard yards now. Um, PFS is due what by the before the end of Q2 next year. Is that what uh, you're yeah, before the end of Q2 next year. Okay, brilliant. Okay, we well, appreciate your time. Uh, stay in touch. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Matt.